and welcome back to Darkly Lit, where we review some horror literature and short stories and all that good types. I am your host, Kayla Berry, and uh, we've got our uh, three other hosts. Uh, who wants to go next? My name is Jesse Reyes, and better known as Sade. I am producer for Darkly Lit, I also a creator of the Witching Hour podcast. Woo. Hi, I'm Chelsea Comer, aka CF Comer. I am an illustrator, and I enjoy horror novels. And I am David King, and I am the bat in your belfry. Today we are uh, reviewing an interesting one, actually. Uh, Pen Pal by Dathan Ackerbach. I hope I say his name right. Our, 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 our. I was going to say Auerbach. Auerbach? Auerbach. That's my guess. Okay, we'll go, we'll go with Auerbach. That actually sounds... That I'm going to put in a necessary amount of every time it gets brought up. <laughs> Uh, Auerbach uh, rolls off the tongue more than Ackerbach. It certainly does. So since this is Chelsea's turn to do the summary. All right, here I go. Pin Pal is a novel about an unnamed protagonist putting together a recollection of a childhood he hardly remembers with the hesitant help of his mother to remember what happened to his childhood best friend, Josh. It is a novel partially inspired by the author's fear of a child of being kidnapped and partially by a memory of falling asleep in bed and waking up in his underwear on the front porch, which is something his mother claims to not remember. Originally, it was published on No Sleep. The community encouraged 1,000 Walters, which is Dathan Ackerbach's pen name, to edit and publish the story as a novel. Well said. Good. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. <laughs> Bravo. So I didn't re- I didn't realize there was as much about the whole him recalling like waking up on the porch in his underwear. Well, I mean, he thinks that happened. Well, but. I mean, I, I I think a lot of kids have like specific memories in their brain. I mean, I actually do have a memory of waking up in my pajamas and walking outside like in the early morning when it's snowing out. But my parents probably wouldn't remember that uh, of me as a kid doing that. And they, I, I've, I've actually told them that. And it's like, my mom has said it's possible, I guess. <laughs> he was to say it did or didn't happen, but. True. Memories are mysterious. The I noticed uh, right off the, off the bat in the novel version, actually, there's a lot of uh, specific, like, here's the weird thing about memory. And then it goes for, on it for a few pages about Memory. Memory works like this. Memory has gaps. Memory did it. And it was very flowery. Yeah, there's Mm. it was fairly poetic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know if it aligned as well with the rest of the uh, the rest of the novel. Mm. I think if it weren't for the fact that it's from the point of view of an an adult, I would question it more. Who's to say? Hmm. But who's to say, really? Who's to say? (laughs) Um, It just. I just felt like, um, I just want to say right off the bat, it felt like that whole introduction segment, some parts of it got a little redundant. I was kind of sitting there going, yeah, I get it. Yeah, I, sk- I get what you're trying to say, dude. I, I skim through. My- Memories are weird, and sometimes you dig them up and you don't realize something until it happens. But I feel like he went on and on about making that a point. And I'm like, there was a certain point where I was like, no, I, I get it. Can we can we move on? Uh, I think he did that because if you know, so... um. Pen Pal is separated into different chapters, and each chapter is a memory from the narrator's childhood. And it spawns anywhere from, I would say, when he's in kindergarten, age five, to... Um, from slightly before kindergarten, actually, uh, oh, since okay. he broke his wrist before he went That's into kindergarten. Right. That's right. To um, when he's in his te- he's teen years, I want he's like 16 because mm-hmm. it says sophomore. He's 15 or 16 by yeah. the end of the, the recollection. Mm-hmm. And But the weird thing about it, it, instead of like going in a linear fashion, the memories hop, or, like the stories hop around into different times, mm-hmm. which gets kind of weird when he's like, oh, at that time that I broke my arm. It's like, oh, well, couldn't you have just fit that there? That seems, that memory seems to happen right after this memory. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel Mom like, men. yeah, but you do also have the problem of him not having access to the full memories. So I felt like he, he did it in the order that he did because that was the order that his mother was willing to talk about it in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's, I got that. Because you, you do also have the issue with the mother. In the, in the order that he was remembering them, which is why we didn't get everything in the order that it happened. Right. Yeah. Okay. Then that makes a bit more sense. But I feel like that's the reason why this introduction was created. I mean, I don't blame the introduction. I just feel like the introduction ran along and could have and made its point fairly early on without having to sort of repeat itself, which it did a couple of times. And I was like, can we move on? (laughs) 
Can we get I actually kind of liked the long-windedness of it. Um, it was kind of like a uh, calm with, before the storm, in my opinion. Okay. The one, the one thing I got to appreciate, though, it's definitely an easy read. He writes, uh, I mean, let's removing the introduction aside, it is easy to read through. I yeah. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. It, I wouldn't say it's simplistic though. Like No, it's not simplistic. Um if anything, you can tell that this is uh this is definitely an independent book mm-hmm. based on the style of the writing yeah. because I feel like um going through it I felt to myself like this is good. I feel like there are places where if a professional editor had this it would be a little more polished. Yeah. That doesn't detract from, I think, the craft of the narrative, I I, I think. I think I just felt like there were some areas when reading through it. I was like, OK, well, th- I mean, I think this part could have benefited a little from some revision. Clearly, I, it was revised I, from the 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 original story. Mm-hmm. But there were places where I felt to myself, yeah, that there's a there's a little bit of an amateurish, not amateurish, but like. There's a little bit of unpolished to it, but it's kind of there's a little bit of rawness to it. And mm. that's not necessarily a bad thing, but just, it's just something I noticed. going. Yeah, through. no, I felt like with the kind of story it is, that roughness was really necessary. Yeah, um, it actually the first time I read it, I read it as the creepypasta and then rereading it as a novel. I was a little jarred by the fact that it didn't have the same amount of roughness to it. That was me, too. Um, I also read the original, so. That was interesting. I have actually not read the original. I was I was tempted to like go back and read the original, but I figured kind of like with when we were comparing the adaptation of Hellraiser to or the movie versus the book, I figured it would be good to have a couple people know about the mm-hmm. original and then some who don't. So that way, I guess like I mean, say so you could compare and contrast, and, mm-hmm. and there's one where it's not two people are going in unbiased and two people are going in well, biased. Say, so, so have you read the original? I hadn't read the original, but I had definitely listened to it a couple times from just like a narration or like uh, scare your friends read it all. Um, mm-hmm. I did notice like some differences that that stick out to me, even though it'd been a while since I'd listened to it. Same. I didn't mind the the little flowery intro too much, but I did notice like with the novel, there were parts where he was definitely like adding to scenes or just kind of like trying to add some like cushion to it. Where in some yeah. parts, I did I did like that. Like there were little details of uh, how Josh and the narrator are supposed to look a lot alike. Like I didn't pick that up when I was when I first listened to the original. And he made that more clear in the novel. But then there are also other things where he added that cushion where I was just like, I, I like this better before. You didn't need this extra fat here. Mm-hmm. And I think that plays more into the story because if it weren't for the fact that Josh looks so much like the narrator, I, I don't think his stalker would have... Spoilers. Well, this whole, this, whole, this whole thing is a spoiler. No, I'm aware. It's just, we can We can go full bore. Honestly, because I mean, I, I definitely want to talk about one thing that I think a lot got um, confused me a lot about the novel. Uh, but I mean, I think, think the main impetus of the novel was the stalking and the stalker and the stalker's motivations. Yeah, the one thing a lot of it. I got to admit, the one thing I really like about the story that's been different from the other stories, there is no supernatural element to this whatsoever. Mm-hmm. This this is like a horde that could actually happen. And that's kind of scary. It definitely channels the fear of, you know, a stranger with strange motives and being kidnapped and being stalked. Mm-hmm. And not knowing what a person's wants with you. Yeah. <laughs> and that yeah, that's an uncomfortable feeling. Uh-huh. Well, especially because early on it's it's targeting a child. Yeah. And that makes it even worse. Like all I could think of right, right as soon as we start learning it and getting discerning from the memories, I'm like Oh my god, there's some crazy weird creepo pervert, you know? Like. Yeah, and it's it, it definitely. It, and it's even creepier like because of the project that led to it. Yeah. Like I felt like the balloon project and then attaching that little cute letter mm-hmm. leading to just like this stalker pedophile just made it worse. Mhm. Cuz like that that seems like such an innocent childhood project. Yeah, it's ugh. But it's amazing, like, how uh, I think that's what adds to the, you know, like, makes it even more creepier. It's like, this is such an innocent thing, and it leads to something so dark and devious. Yeah. And that's the frightening part about it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, how do we want to, like, handle the structure of this? I mean, do, because uh, each chapter is kind of its own standalone. It's got its own, like conclusion it leads they don't really necessarily lead into each other because they're all from different periods of the narrator's life or all around the same kind of 10-year period though most are it's like most of the incidents happened when he was around you know five to six Mm -hmm. and then 
Some happened when he was 10. Some happened when he was 14, 15. Well, another thought I had is um, I think a lot of the things we're going to discuss are actually similar to the things that our um, l- our listeners asked of us. Like a lot of we got actually got a lot of questions and comments for this one. We did, actually. I mean, they're very a uh, few of them are very similar. I think a lot of that comes from the fact that uh, th- because this did stem from the no sleep from no sleep and is essentially a creepypasta started out as a yeah. creepypasta. Um, that's going to draw a lot of attention from listeners uh, of our other like regular podcasts, mm-hmm. uh, Midnight Marinara, Undercooked Analysis, The Witching Hour, mm-hmm. uh, you know. So I think, that, I mean, having the community behind that, I think, definitely helps drive the conversation forward. Now, if you guys would just come out of the woodwork for more of the classic stuff, yeah. <laughs> that'd be great. Because we read creepypasta on these other shows, and I come for Darkly Lit for a break from that. So <laughs> I'm just saying, guys. <laughs> Not that I minded reading Pen Pal. I think it, I, I, I enjoyed it. I just... <laughs> uh, that's one of the things I tried to do when I was reading is, like, don't think of it as a creepypasta. It, this was written to be like a novel. Yeah, so that that definitely helped. But it does have its origin in creepypasta, and it's not going to be able to get away from that. Mm-mm. No, no. Mm-mm. Even then, I there are some things I noticed that you can tell that it they were separate stories. Like there's, a, I remember there was like one point where it's uh, like one of the stories said Josh was left-handed, so this 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 happened, and then the next, and then another story person it says. But Josh was left-handed. It's like you you already mentioned Josh was left-handed. That's what I meant about, like, in revision, some things could have been cleaned up, you know? Yeah. But it, there was a couple things like that where it's like you could tell these were one separate stories. I, um... Or, like, I, posted months apart. Yeah. I mean, I noticed it actually in particular with the shark floaty because they acted like they didn't like initially they acted like they didn't remember the pool the pool float Mm -hmm. and then yet uh mrs maggie gave them the pool float at one point and then they lost it at at another point and then both of them both josh and the narrator who saw it didn't act like they remembered it yeah they didn't react to it aside from just playing with it for a bit yeah, or ah, ah spiders. <laughs> Which I think in the on the creepypasta version was a rat instead of spiders. Okay, I will say as a having read the original, I I kind of appreciated the bit about the uh you know when they're coming back at ten, uh, the narrator falls in a hole that's been dug mm-hmm. in that area, and then that actually kind of helps clear up what was kind of happening in the. Uh, uh, later on, it kind of helps put the whole thing together about what was happening and why he was out there in the woods with the pool floating mm-hmm. that night. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, which is makes it way creepier. It's a great little bit of fridge horror, you know, especially later on. Yeah. There's a good payoff. Yeah. And actually, that's one of the reasons I'm glad uh, the chapters called Footsteps uh, came first. Because mm-hmm. then it's like later and you're like, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah. Because even though like everything was being recounted in like a sporadic order we and we started and then edited ended in the same place so i did like that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so that was cool mm-hmm. it's like i almost i feel like we're kind of touching on a lot of different things but i'm almost not sure where to start i know i think it's like we could just kind of go through the questions that were submitted and i think we'll hit up a, hit a lot of points that we want to discuss just by answering the questions and then if maybe there's anything left over that we still want to say we can finish up with that that All seems right. good okay so we so um i asked people from the Too Spooky Discord, um, if they have any comments, and we got a lot of them. Thank you very much. First up, uh, Lavecki. Um, and actually, the questions are very similar, but this one was a bit different. Do you think that each story could stand on its own without knowing anything about the previous ones? I think some of them. Some of them could. Mm-hmm. Footsteps is definitely a standalone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the Balloon Project Balloons is clearly a standalone. After that, I think most of them build off of one of those two. So yeah, I think I think they could all stand some of them better than others, well enough on their own. But what makes them like the really creepy details is when you connect them to the other stories. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they do okay by themselves, but they're best as a whole. Mm-hmm. I mean, initially he was just going to do like one or two chapters until No Sleep encouraged him to keep going. Mm-hmm. To be, um, that's pretty impressive, though, that he crafted a, a fairly strong, because sometimes when people keep going on these stories, like, if it's not intentional, that's definitely what stories like Happy Happy are trying to, like, parody. <laughs> these sagas that just keep going and don't stop, or intentional. So it's very easy to derail that, but everything feels pretty tight with the narrative, with the expanded, the continually expanding narrative of uh, Pen Pal. Now, so. I-, I got a question. Um, is all the chapters besides the introduction 
Uh, were they, was it on the No Sleep uh, Reddit? Yeah, all the chapters beyond the besides the introduction were on the No Sleep Reddit. Okay. And the, they all interconnected as well? Yes. Okay. And they were all in the same order, too, weren't they? Uh, I, I think so. so. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that's interesting. Um, but yeah, I think the first few stories, yeah, they could stand alone. Uh, like footsteps could, balloons could. Well, boxes. If you kind of... Kind of, I think if you could change some of the details, like if some things were taken out that didn't connect to it, yeah. Would they be as strong? I mean, Footsteps, I think, is still very strong. and Yeah, Footsteps is a great amount of, like, self-containedness and ambiguity to it that I yeah. think works really well. I guess uh, Balloons, I-, I like Footsteps more than Balloons, but it's still got that creepy element. Um, I know, Chelsea, you mentioned your favorite chapter is Maps. Yes, I love maps. At college, uh, when we would have to do, we had to do a project and it was like draw illustrations based on a story that part of the story really inspired me for that. Oh, cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Would be cartographers for the win. (laughs) I I like that. I like that chapter because it, you get to see a lot more of Josh and like, it's interesting, Josh. Like there's just something about like that, that imagery of the whisper coming out of the woods that just, and, and you're right. Like you do see a lot more of Josh. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Hello. And then them just frantically trying to paddle and breaking their boat apart in the process. Yeah. Like, that's just horrifying, and I love it. It's very... Like, that's exciting. the kind of thing that would have scared the crap out of me as a child. <laughs> like, yelling and then hearing a voice, clearly hearing a voice from the woods that you don't recognize. Oh, my God, I probably would have peed my pants if that happened to me. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know what's funny is that's almost more horrifying than what you find out happens to Mrs. Maggie later. I, I oh. don't know. I thought Mrs. Maggie was incredibly sad what happened to her. Oh, it was, mm. No, it was sad. Like, like, the visceral thing about the woods was almost, like, worse in a way. Like, in I, terms I, of, like, how it made me feel. I don't know. I mean, like, I just, like, Miss Maggie thinking that the stalker is her husband and being like, Tom came back home. Like, no, you can't come over because Tom is home. Like, that's just, mm. just like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. like you think yeah, your significant kind of, other is this person who ends up just butchering you is terrifying. That's true. That kind of, yeah, that and kind of. On top of that. already having dementia, like that is also just absolutely horrifying. When you put it like that. Which dementia plays in with the memories. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Memory oh, oh, true. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's clever. That's really clever. Although I have to admit, um, the one thing that kind of bothered me, just one little thing. She calls the narrator Chris because she thinks the narrator is her son. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. There's another character named Chris later on. Yeah. I'm yes, like, there is. Why would you do that? I, I don't know. I've known a ton of Chris's. Yeah. It didn't really bother yeah. me too much. Just for you, like, oh. I mean, because it didn't bother me that much. If he's either. recalling, like, this is, like, actual memories that happened to him, then, you know, that doesn't surprise me that he would have known someone else mm. named Chris. That's true. It's just a weird choice for, like, in terms of novelization, because yeah. usually, if if someone if there are two characters that have the same name, there's a purpose to it mm-hmm. rather than I don't know. I will say I the it's I, I think it's pretty reminiscent of real life. Mm. Uh, that's how true. many people it, it, you know with the same name. That's true, especially if we're going for re- like reality. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I can see that. The uh, the screens chapter broke my fucking heart. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, young love. Cut short. Oh, yeah, that chapter. By a pervert with a car. Like, the first time I read that, I was just completely baffled as to what happened, because that just... It's kind of unthinkable to think that somebody would do that, but you know that kind of stuff happens. Yeah. Well, and at this point, like, it doesn't surprise me how, how, like, jealous and or possessive the stalker is, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, it's just, there's something, like, that just adds, like, that just adds to the terror of that that stalker just being completely jealous of this girl that has gotten one date with the protagonist. I think the jealous like to kill her. Yeah. I actually think the more frightening part is uh, later on, I mean, she's in the hospital. I was going to say. And then he's, oh, she's, yeah. he, the narrator starts getting texts from her and she says, I love you. And he actually is like, oh, my gosh. And then says, I love you back. But then it turns out that yeah, um, then, then, then they decide to go see a movie together. And then he doesn't. She and doesn't then it turns out it's the stalker all along. <laughs> yeah. And the, the part that's so creepy is the, the stalk, uh, uh, a man. It's never it's never said specifically, but a man comes in and sits next to him in yeah. the theater mm-hmm. and is just sitting there breathing really weird the whole time. And yeah, and didn't it make him a little uncomfortable too? Yeah, yeah, yeah it makes him a little uncomfortable. And, you re- and it's like Fridge where you realize, no, that was the stalker just sitting next to me like. 
Like that's <laughs> and, then it, and, then, and then it turns out Veronica died the day that last he saw her. So he the stalker He's been texting the stalker. Wasn't she kind of stable, like in stable condition though? Yeah, she mm-hmm. was. But it, so for all we know. What it was, it was uh the mother Veronica's mother had was gonna go visit her, but she was running late. So like mm. she was left alone longer than normal. So for all we, oh, and we know that, all we know. that yeah. uh, the narrator, oh, we know that the stalker oh, had so at, at some point the stalker was there the to get the thing. phone. Oh my god! Oh, that didn't click. <laughs> he had to oh. finish, you know. He had to finish her off. I'm sorry. Oh my god! That's horrifying. Yeah. No, it's ugh. Yeah. This the the thing that made my screen skin crawl so much is just how completely awful the stalker the man is and the, well, the just, worst part is he's doing depravity. all of this because he thinks he actually loves him yeah, yeah. but i'm um, okay so so i want to address there's a main point of confusion i have with this story right mm. and i think it's kind of has to do with the ending uh, it's the same question i have to ask kind of from the narrator when he sits there and goes why josh you know mm-hmm. i understand them looking alike was one thing and i understand that also our our stalker is is fucking batshit insane. Right. But if he was obsessed with with the narrator, why did he let himself be killed by being buried alive with Josh? I mean, by that point, Josh had been with him for three years. He had probably groomed Josh to the point that he was acting, in the stalker's opinion, enough like the protagonist. Mm-hmm. Josh, well, they, there was this um, point where they're a lot of like two personality wise because they were talking like how they yeah. were growing apart, but they found out that they were still like getting into the same things even without each other. Yeah. So yeah, I think that kind of played into it too, like why he would start to. Um, and then also like Josh was a lot more of a convenient target. Mm-hmm. But, but okay, so but then if if he's got Josh, then why is he still when he's why is he still going after? I just don't understand, like, why he's still going after the narrator if he's got Josh. Because I, I was under the impression that at, the first time I read it, the no sleep version, I thought he was confused. And he he was like, OK, I've got this boy that I've been in love with and I've been obsessed with this whole time right where I want him. But and yet now I, I, does he understand that there's there are two different people? He might not. That's I. I think he does since he does continue to kind of stalk the protagonist. Mm-hmm. But then he doesn't it's just the weird protagonist it's, is a lot harder to get due to his mother's intervention right but so but he had the opportunity but he found him again and he went to all that trouble to kill veronica and uh you know and, and, go and oh, sit in the Josh theater was possibly in the front seat of the car too oh yeah Ooh, i almost forgot worse. about that oh it's implied we never know yeah. for sure though what i don't i guess i guess the thing i'm, I'm really conf- i'm really baffled by is like it, I, I feel like if you have an obsession with like one person and it's like the creepy level of obsession that this guy this guy has why did he just like at the end just seem to settle for josh when he was in the theater sitting next to his target and then later texts you know i'll uh, see you again soon maybe there's a i i i was kind of in my head going maybe there's a bit of a reality break here with the antagonist maybe he can't tell the difference i don't i don't know i i think he can it's just it's just by this point josh is enough like the protagonist that he is happy and people Uh. like this aren't very sane to begin with you're not going to be sane like you're not going to have a stable mental you can't be stably mental mentally stable also, and you're do trying this kind of stuff. Yeah, you're trying. Also, you're trying to rationalize the irrational. No, no, no. I'm. Yeah. I'm, well, I'm just trying to. I'm trying to identify. I, I, I'm asking the same question the narrator is asking. Why, Josh? And to and a degree, the answer is you can't really know mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, th- that's a good point. It was. A, I think it's that has confused some other people too. But you're right in that it is a rational thought. You can't really understand the mind of a crazy person, an obsessed person like this. So. But God, I mean, that's what makes the whole thing so effective. That whole thing just makes me like legit. Whenever there's anything involving like people preying upon like children mm-hmm. and in a really perverse way like that, uh, it makes me uncomfortable, yeah. really genuinely uncomfortable. I mean, just the idea of somebody watching another person without that person even knowing is terrifying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like the taking like all the fucking Polaroids. Oh, my God. Yeah. The Polaroids, like not even realizing for a long time that he was in each one of them. Mm-hmm. Oh man. <laughs> Sorry if I like derailed that for a second, but we gotta we have some more questions to answer, I'm sure. If I can kinda attempt to answer David's question of why Josh, 
because this was just kind of my oh, thought right. was okay. in footstep. We know that the the stalker no. took the narrator away because he also he left the note in his place on his pillow. And then we, right. when Josh ran away, there was also another note on the pillow. So I kind of got right. the impression, or maybe the way I'm trying to answer it too is just he had attempted to do it to the narrator in footsteps but he like he left him there like maybe he failed like he couldn't do it like he loved or thought he loved the narrator so much he's like i can't kill him so i'm gonna knowingly settle for josh who i've groomed and colored his hair now to the point where like i can convince myself that it's him okay i don't know yeah maybe that's kind of where i'm going yeah that makes sense too twisted uh, this really twisted idea of love is like well i i can settle for the i can settle for having this dream of dying with die you know dying together with this mm-hmm. this the object of my affection while the object the real object of my affection is still alive I, you know it's it's interesting it's like a warped it's like a warped sense of compassion you know mm-hmm. but anyway that was yeah <laughs> do you want to go back to the questions Next question. This is from Spooky Max 92 from the Discord. Thank you. It's my second favorite book. Only second. Uh, so my question is, is the story overrated, underrated, or currently fine how it is rated? I think it's fine how it's rated. I don't think it's I don't think it's over or underrated. Same here. It doesn't I mean, it, I mean it, re- it reads just fine and I I know it's a very popular creepy pasta. Mm-hmm. But and I I can see why it is. It it deserves to be, but at least it's one of the well-written ones compared to like say mm. <laughs> say uh <laughs> <laughs> Jeff the killer. But as a novel, I mean, it's fine. I mean, it, I feel like the creepypasta is more popular than the novel itself. So it's on that right level, I want to say. Yeah, I think it's I think it's fair. I, you know, I just thought of something else. I'm sorry. I keep going back to this. <laughs> but you know what else? You know what else? You know, what's an additional crime <laughs> of this whole thing. This is the exact kind of reason why parents don't let their kids go out to explore and be kids anymore. There's the, there's a loss of innocence, but there's also the whole loss of actually getting right. to be a kid. Because I, I mean, Stranger right. Danger really got popular in the 80s, mm-hmm. also in the 90s, but yet we still went out and played. I, I think it was a cultural shift, especially with the internet and then other events. Yeah. Right, but I'm saying this is the living embodiment of like... Yeah, no, it is the living embodiment of. of that fear. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, I fucking hate this guy for doing this and so this these kids had couldn't go out and be kids anymore too. This, is, this is the this is like again what's what's great about the story is this is a real life horror type yeah. of story it's, yeah. it's something that can actually happen where like the other stories we read are a bit more uh, it, it's kind of it really distanced ourselves from it like, I, like you we're don't, not gonna I, have cenobites no. <laughs> come out of our walls and, and then even with the 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 one story we just read um the yellow wallpaper that takes place during a different time. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the first story we read, again, supernatural. This is something that could still happen today, and that's scary. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things All that right. makes it kind of even creepier is, uh, especially from like a parent's perspective, is like we saw how the mother kept putting more and more restrictions on just like how much freedom the narrator had. And even then, uh, the narrator was always in this danger. So it's kind of like, okay, you're stripping and then also away the... because she didn't... Oh, sorry, I started interrupting. You can finish. <laughs> Let's just say, that, uh, like, uh, she's stripping away the kid's freedom and to to no avail. Like, he's still always in danger. And then mm-hmm. also because she didn't share with anyone, mm-hmm. like, his best friend ended up being the target. Yeah. Yeah, you know, the if the mother had been... That's another tragedy. If the mother had trusted her son more... Like, just said, here, like, actually explained, here's the reasons why I'm doing this. Or yeah. even just let other adults know in the area. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's a fucking stalker. I just, the mo- the mother is a flawed character, is a tragically flawed character. I, I'm, not, I'm not saying, like, she's flawed, she's written flawed, but she has character flaws that, uh could have been subverted if but but makes sense as her being a single mother overworked single mother maybe i'm forgetting this is his dad ever brought up his dad's not in the picture at all yeah that's what i figured like yeah like i don't think his dad has ever mentioned it's always his mom is mom is mom Mm -hmm. like it doesn't even say if she's married or divorced i once thought at a certain point that the uh the antagonist was going to be the narrator's dad i thought the same thing actually i thought it i actually never thought that at all (laughs) 
I mean, I wondered, I wondered early on, and this is back during reading it in the no sleep version, you know? That was a stretch. And I'm glad it did. I'm kind of glad it didn't. I'm really glad it didn't go there, actually. Okay. Um, next questions. Okay, this, a lot of these have a very similar type. Uh, we got Abysme, um, who asked, Assuming you read the pre-novel version, are there any major differences and how affected was the adaptation? Also, um, Lavecki also asked, does the novelization help the story at all? Does it hurt it? Beth says, how does it work as a book, basically? And then actually, uh, at Jeffro reading from Twitter asks, how well do you think the translation from creepypasta to novel work? Uh, is it still recognized as a creepypasta? Basically, it follows the same theme of how does the creepypasta translate into the book version, which I think we've touched upon quite a bit in this uh, in this uh, episode. Yep, um, I, I think it works really well, actually. It definitely feels cleaner as a book. I remember first time reading it, I was like, oh, this is a lot cleaner than, like, not language-wise, but just feeling-wise, it felt cleaner. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The creepypasta felt rougher. It was like a band's first album versus a band's second album, in my opinion. <laughs> if that um, makes sense. <laughs> I, I can see that. Um, I, <laughs> the director's cut version. <laughs> as someone who's only read the novel and is very familiar with creepypasta, I could see a couple creepypasta elements, but if you were to tell me that this was not originally a creepypasta, I would believe you. This actually does... Sound is it's definitely cleaned up enough that it actually does sound like a legitimate novelization rather than just a sto- uh, story because it does a lot of um there's a lot of great uh like stories where um it's a set of different memories one of my I I know David and I have read uh, this one great book called uh, Switch Bitch by uh, Roald Dahl, <laughs> which is similar to this one. It's a set of uh, connected stories by following this one person. And I think that was really good. It's more in the more humorous vein rather than horror. But this this format isn't, ex- it, I don't want to say it's not uncommon, but it does work in a novel format. What do you think, Sade? I think it, it translated pretty well where with the novel, he was able to kind of, the, the Dathan was able to go back and kind of polish up the connections between the different stories. I think it does, though, like, stay true to, like, where where its origins, that it was a creepypasta. So I think it was successful overall. I'd say much the same thing. I think y'all took the words out of my mouth. Um, <laughs> I think uh, one of the areas that's really strong is it sort of strengthened the idea of the bond between Josh and the narrator. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was had room to breathe so it could expand a little bit more on the, um, the, the minor details that are important to that universe. And makes the whole thing a little more believable uh, in terms of where they live and how their lives worked. And even just at, presented as a series of recollections from a kid, I was thinking to myself, yeah, you know, I can recall when I was a kid the specifics of certain areas and maybe not under- grasping ex- specifically how things worked, but, you know, understanding that this was just the way of the neighborhood and, you know, yada, yada, yada. I think it is stronger as a novel. Part of the mystique of the no sleep was that present framing this as a real, you know, everything on no sleep is true is or is to be presented that way. So um, there's a mystique to that that you'd lose when you're reading it and it is a novelized form. But as a novel, I think, again, you have the freedom to tell the kind of story you want to tell a little more uh, fluidly. So I think between the two, I, I prefer the the novel version. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Actually, Abysme brought up uh, another interesting question. He said, um, sin- uh, like, if, if we if this does work as a novel, which we agree it does, is this is it possible for more creepypastas to be made into novels or should creepypasta stay as short online fiction? Well, I certainly don't. I'm certainly don't encourage anyone to write Squidward suicide into a novel. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I think it completely and utterly depends upon the author and the subject matter. Mm-hmm. I was about to say the same thing. Quick it game. helps if you're able to write your creepypasta. If you're writing a creepypasta, it's about something that's not a haunted game or a lost episode of a TV show. Mm-hmm. Or an icon that already exists. Most <laughs> subjects, subject matter that ends up in creepypasta is kind of needs to stay a short story. Whereas with, with Pen Pal, like even on on Reddit, he was being encouraged to prolong the story because that this... It it worked for this story so this that's why it helped the novel adaptation because i remember um i actually ended up listening to the the original version before we started recording earlier today and there were some of the chapters where he the narrator is apologizing sorry this is so long because 
creepypasta tend to be shorter stories because you don't want to lose your audience with a long story where if it's a novel he has that freedom to expand the story yeah i think that's interesting clearly while doing this uh dathan has a good sense of the uh of the scope of what's going on and again i think that's the biggest strength of pen pal is that oh there's a there's a larger even if he didn't necessarily plan on it from the beginning uh there is the greater sense of of a bigger overarching you know, story, mm-hmm. you know, which I think is good. And that's a big strength of Pen Pal as a narrative. Not a lot of creepypasta are going to have the same sort of foresight in when they're being written uh, like this was. Even And again, even if it was a happy accident that these two stories that were supposed to be it were expanded even further, they're handled with care. And I think that's what makes it work, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that care is definitely necessary. And I think especially with the story, it helps that um, he says... At least in a way, it's autobiographical. Well, it's definitely playing off of something that feels really true and, you know, horrific to the to Dathan, you know, his, mm. his, his fear, his you know childhood fear of being kidnapped. And that is evident in the story. The idea of being stalked and being having your life kind of manipulated and having this thing lurking under the shadows. Actually, one thing I really value about the perspective is that uh, the narrator often talks about He's not scared that something was going to happen to him. He was scared of the idea, as a lot of little kids are, of being in trouble. Mm -hmm. Because when you're a little kid, you don't understand sometimes why you've gotten in trouble. You just know you're in trouble and you just want to be out of the trouble as soon as possible. Because you don't know, because it's so confusing when you're five or six and something happens like, am I in trouble? I don't understand. Why am I in trouble? I don't want to be in trouble. What did I do wrong? Mm-hmm. And they takes it would on themselves. Say, like, would you say an obscure kind of trouble? <laughs> God damn. <laughs> Bravo. Okay. But that's a very real little kid fear. It is. It is. More terrified. Not putting the the reality of the situation aside. Like, oh, no, this thing happened. I don't get it. But somehow I'm going to be in trouble. So at Nadiri on Twitter asks, uh, what was your favorite chapters? What were the strongest and weakest sections? What do you think of these sort of being standalone stories? Okay, we already brought up the standalone part. But I know you said Maps was your favorite chapters uh what about you guys i already said i liked screens uh even fully admitting that some of the pseudo romance kind of stuff was a little hokey yeah but i i could i could uh accept it because he was a teenager at the time yeah he's definitely reading this through a teenager's like lens Mm -hmm. and having totally crushing on a cute girl (laughs) i i I actually liked it um i think that's my favorite too actually screens is yeah i just think that the 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 horrifyingness of everything that happened and then coupled with that he was sitting next to his stalker the entire time and, and nothing er- came of it. Also, everything kind of clicks together on certain things. You're yeah. Like, what? Was- what? What? Yeah. <laughs> I think for me it was balloons. Just because like that's where mm-hmm. kind of you start to realize how serious of a problem this kid is in. Where he notices uh-huh. that he, where he discovers he's like in the, all the, of these photos. And that's the one where they're playing in the ditch and they're like, oh, it's a robot. But then they realize it's not a robot. It was camera clicking, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that for me was my favorite one. Because that's where you realize, okay, this there's this horrible looming danger. And like they're only just now realizing it. And this, this guy's right there on top of him pretty much there was a bit in the in that chapter that i think got added in the later one where it's the bit where the I, the snow cone machine breaks down was that in the original no that seemed important because they had a customer come up who made some kind of comment and i wonder if that was also the stalker yeah i mean they kind of implied that yeah. the stalker came since somebody gave them the the dollar because they had that, that he wrote on for stamps too yeah right they said they had the same guy it was a repeat customer and he was the one who said like well you really do put yourselves into this and he guffawed really loudly like strangely and this is like realizing that like, he's looking at the cherry coat snow cone and Meanwhile, uh, the narrator's hand is, has been cut, so he's got red on his hand. And it seems like a really creepy thing to, like, laugh about. I'm like, oh, yeah. That was something that I noticed, like, the author or the protagonist is often correlated with the color red. Mmm, the red balloon. Mmm. Cherry icing. Yeah. And the few times Josh was mentioned with color, his color was always green until he was um, started getting, like, uh kind of stock the way uh the protagonist was oh wow i didn't even thought about the color theory but you have a good point i I don't have my notes with me so unfortunately the only thing i really remember that being brought up was when they got their balloons josh got green and the protagonist got red Mm -hmm. Uh, but it was mentioned in a couple other areas right yeah what about the weakest sections the weakest to me felt like screens but that was just 
That was just me. I kind of That's fine. Uh, I'm torn between screens and boxes as my least favorite. And boxes I, I only boxes. is because, like, I feel horrible for the cat and I have a cat. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Like, that one bothers me the most. It's just like, oh, my God, I would fucking kill for my cat. Yeah. yeah I, I would injure someone over one of one of the dogs in my life. Not just my dog. Any of the dogs in my life. Uh, you hear that, Gracie? Uh, but I... But I guess that just You're says like assy. how effective maybe boxes was also as well because it, for me it made me uncomfortable as a pet owner. I think they're yeah. all pretty damn strong. Uh, I think the introduction is probably the probably weakest. the weakest. Just because you can. I really like the introduction myself, but that that's just my personal opinion. Let me give you this really cute example about memory with this little girl who wanted ice cream. Oh, I thought that was, I thought that was so. Adorable. It was is, a good no, bit, I, but it was interesting. And, and I thought the it correlated just, so just, well with the story. The way it segued into this big thing about memory, and it didn't have to go as long as it did. I, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I think the introduction was the weakest, but that's not even that saying that's a bad introduction. I just think it was, it was a redundant introduction. The next question is uh, surprisingly uh, uh, one that I did not realize. Uh, it's by at Matt, and I probably will butcher your Zarkowicz. name. Zarkowicz. Zarkowitz, I think uh, it. I hope I didn't butcher your name. Zarkowitz. Uh, since it's forever in limbo, do you think a film adaptation would work? Do you think a story in a similar vein could be successfully adapted? I think what he's talking about is the fact that there's different storylines. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've done this before. With... It's called Memento. No, no, no. Okay. Uh, yeah, Memento is like the closest one that I can think of, but. Um... I, I'm I, I think it could, it, as long as Max Landis isn't involved. <laughs> well, <no. laughs> uh, I think, well, another thing is it's episodic, and um, there have been movies that have uh, that have adapted, like... Quentin Tarantino! Oh! I mean, that'd be interesting. That'd be, that'd be really interesting. I, I, he, he does the chapter thing really, really well, so yeah, if he can do it, yeah. I think someone could do it in a similar vein mm-hmm. yeah that, that'd be interesting i mean i you know stanley what? kubrick if you were still around i would like to see this i think it would be good Stan- as a- stanley kubrick's pen pal <laughs> i love the joke about him and the moon landing I think would, <laughs> yeah i think it would be great as a miniseries i could see it as a miniseries yeah. there are um yeah. short films hey channel zero Wait, no. <laughs> you can find like a short films uh, based on pen pal. Like I actually bookmarked one that is based just on footsteps to watch after we record. Ooh. I'll link you guys to it. Oh, that'd be Ooh, great. That'd yeah, be great. that'd be fun. I think depending on how you went about it, it, it could be adapted. Yeah, I think um, you'd lose the. I feel like you'd have to do it chronologically in an adaptation. I think if I don't think so. I, I think it depends on the director. Mm-hmm. You could always frame it in the present, have the conversations with the mom, and then then have it flash back to different time periods. So I don't know. I'm already thinking like, how would I do this? <laughs> oh no, I think it's I think it's doable. Anything, almost anything can be made into a movie these days. Plus the new version of it just came out, like the proper film adaptation of it. And uh, I mean, to a degree, we are, we're, that's a, it's supernatural, but there's a movie that's dealing with people remembering their childhoods and childhood traumas and being stalked by something. So, I mean, it's not like the market can't handle this sort of thing except uh our protag our antagonist in this one is just a regular dude not a dancing clown not a clown that is actually an alien from outer space <laughs> not, not a clown that's an interdimensional being that feeds on fear yeah whose whose polar opposite is a giant turtle that's right a giant turtle turtle that uh created the universe which i love <laughs> i love that it's so great like just giant turtle i love turtles though so are you turtly enough for the turtle club? Turtle club. <laughs> she, uh, what about our last uh, question on here? Uh, we actually have one more question submitted. Uh, oh, this is the same thing. Uh, original online version versus the book version, which is better, worse, pros, cons of each. We kind of did that, though. Yeah, we already, uh, yeah, we this was, already this, went through that. This was, uh, I do want to say the name. It was recommended by Good. Good. Which is the best name. <laughs> so, thank you, Good, uh, from Twitter. <laughs> uh, do yeah. we have any last we, comments? We oh. do have one more question from Dead oh, Palette. Oh, okay. Yes, from Dead Palette. Oh, <laughs> he wants to know if any of us realized that the chapters were blueprints for creepypasta and that the introduction was a basis for creepypasta. Oh, we're gonna get all meta here. <laughs> <laughs> That's what happens when Dead Palette asks a question. Meta ensues. 
blueprints for like just the chapter names or the chapters themselves i'm trying to understand the question uh the chapters themselves being structures for creepypasta um well they're definitely i definitely cite pen pals as an example of a good way to structure a creepypasta me and brandon always talk about the fleming effect this is the fleming effect up the goddamn wazoo you know (laughs) this is this is dealing with childhood with memory with nostalgia With not remembering things correctly and then having, um, you know, coming to realizations that something that you might have seen as as benign or not even memorable comes back to you with a frightening connection in, in your present. I mean, there's so much here that is how how to do creepypasta and how to do creepypasta well, but just how did how creepypasta was originally like structured, you know, realistic stories of people re- recollecting things from the past. Hey, here's a weird thing that happened to me. At the time, I didn't seem that weird. But now that I look back on it, I mean, Pen Pal is like maybe the penultimate example. Kayla's making faces at me. <laughs> do you think each chapter um, shows a different archetype of creepypasta? Uh, why? I feel like I'm in the hot seat now. <laughs> I, want, I want you guys to talk for a little bit. I, I, feel like, I know. Since yeah, everybody can answer these. I know that Dead Pilot happens to be there with you. So how about he comes on and plays guest for the day? <laughs> do, we want, his do we want him? Yeah, I'm okay. If you guys are do okay, we want him that, to do he's that? okay with it. Like, uh, let's hear oh, what no. his thoughts are. Summon Dead Pallet. De- Dead Pallet's play in Splatoon. <laughs> <laughs> no, each... Each story has, uh, each chapter has its own self-contained concept of something being out of place. And so they kind of use very prototypical examples. So the, the literal pen pal part where uh, you're having a childhood memory be violated, something that's supposed to be safe and is safe for everyone else, is violated for our narrator. And then the same thing uh, with boxes, you're hearing something audio related. And then with... Um, I'm trying to think of the other ones that there's maps uh, with maps, childhood exploration. Yeah. With screens mm-hmm. you have first love. Well, it, it's more that uh, fridge whore, the, the creepy guy was there all along. The stalker was there all right. along. Mm-hmm. So it's various examples of the same thing. I guess, it, I guess it makes sense that I should show up on this episode. Cause it's one of the like two novels I've actually read in my life. <laughs> What's the other one? Uh, to kill a mockingbird. Oh, okay. I got, I got out of reading everything else in high school. <laughs> Because I thought I was too stupid to read. Aww. Those programs are awful. Put your kids in normal ones, even if they're bad at reading like me. Because they're (laughs) not better unless you force them to. But also let also let kids read what the hell that whatever the hell they want to read. Yeah, you gotta you gotta put some Harry Potter in there. Yeah, for sure. So that said, I think that it's. Uh, an important it's a landmark story for anyone who's interested in creepypasta to read because it, it does give you those very prototypical kind of generic examples even but that's not a knock against it it's because it's one of the first things that uh, really took off no sleep mentality the specific no sleep mentality of creepypasta yeah well i was even saying like before you came on that if you wanted an example of how uh, of like creepypasta archetypes done correctly uh each story of pen pal does that i mean yeah that's that's kind of what i was getting at with the mm-hmm. telegram that i sent chelsea <laughs> that's what i imagined <laughs> and he, he did just, send like, it via telegram paper with his question <laughs> <laughs> it had a stamp on it and everything <laughs> And then he, but it turned out you found later there was a dollar that said four stamps. <laughs> and you thought it was so clever. <laughs> Sorry to crash this. No, it's good. all good. It's okay. Thank you. Enjoy your Splatoon, buddy. <laughs> I am. Let's let's thank you from a special guest appearance from Dead Palette, everybody. <laughs> Cough clap. <laughs> all right. Um, do we have any last comments or anything? If you've listened to this whole thing and you didn't go out and buy this to read along with i'm 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 disappointing you guys come on son we are disappointing you son, we are very disappointed <laughs> like the discussion is reinvigorated because i i read this and it's such an easy read it's a very easy mm-hmm. read you could get like an hour or two so easy i can actually read it exactly if dead palette can read it anyone can. yeah exactly Five-year-olds can read. Don't five-year-olds don't actually read this, no. please? <laughs> oh, please don't. If you do, tell us your experience. <laughs> For anyone who hasn't read it, we'll put the link again in our show notes. Shall we say what our next story is going to be? Oh, I mean, I guess we might as well. All right. Well, uh, October is coming up. So, and this one's going to take place on October thirteenth. 
So our uh, choice is uh, we're going back and it's a classic. Uh, the Legend of Sleepy Hollow by Washington Irving. You can't reason with a headless man. <laughs> and luckily this one's in the public domain. So uh, we'll uh, attach a link to the in the show notes yes. as well. I'm so stoked. <laughs> <laughs> Do you, want, do you want to do the summary for this one, hun? Yes. Okay. So There's so much. I wrote an entire uh, college paper about this. Back in the day. Oh, so you're prepared. Man, I just, I love good ghost stories. And I love, like, old fiction. Do you guys want to finish up with some plugs and then we'll do, we'll exit out of here? Sounds good. I guess I might as well. If you want to hear the stuff I do on a dark and stormy night, or, you know, really depends on where you are, just a dark night in general. You can check out the Midnight Marinara podcast, which will be returning from hiatus in October uh, as a seasonal show. It's a series of audio dramas and radio plays adapted from various works of fiction, mainly creepypasta and classic works, but now slowly expanding into more inherently original content. Not saying that, you know, the work I haven't done before is unoriginal, but, you know... It's all adaptation, mostly. Uh, the other podcast I do is Undercooked Analysis, in which me and the voice you heard not long ago, Dead Palette, Alan, and Kayla, on occasion, will dive into creepypasta blind, uh, with no script, no plan, no filters, read them, and then evaluate them based on our sort of gut reactions to the uh, work. Thirdly, and this is my last major plug for now, uh, Kayla and I have begun not long ago a Disney movie podcast, a Disney animation podcast called uh, Animusings, in which we go through the Walt Disney feature animation canon, film by film, every month, and uh, discuss the film in detail. And our other guests here, our, our other hosts, and Sade and uh, Chelsea, will eventually be guests on the show. And I think this month we're covering two films. We're going to take a quick look at The Reluctant Dragon. And then near the end of the month, we will be discussing Dumbo. Check out the uh, Witching Hour podcast, which I host alongside Dead Palette and my friend Rayanne. We do creative topics related to the horror genre. And it's kind of all I have to plug. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. I would like to plug Darkly Lit. Go listen to our other episodes. Yeah. Especially if you read the other books. I think it's time to say goodnight. Turn off the lights and uh, let's leave the library. Let's blow them candles out.